Welcome back to another episode of Inside Inside Sales. Brought to you by our sponsor, Vanilla Song, with your host, Daryl Prail. Join us each week as we interview industry experts in the dramatically growing field of inside sales and sales development. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. So you ready? Let's get started. Hey, Daryl. Good afternoon, everybody. How are you doing? My name is Daryl Prail, and I am pleased, thrilled, delighted that you are back for another episode of Inside Inside Sales. I tell you, folks, since the last time I've talked to you, uh, if you don't know, you know, little, little pulling back the curtain, these are not all live. You know, we actually record them in advance, as you might imagine. And sometimes, but depending on my travel schedule, I have to record a couple in advance. So I've actually been away from the microphone for a few weeks and, and it feels like it's been forever and I've missed this dialogue that you and I exchange all the time. So why was I away? Great question. I was away because I've been doing the trade show circuit where I get a chance to meet so many of you and I've had so much positive feedback. So if you've stopped me at the shows and you've thanked me and you said something to me about the shows, please know how much I appreciate that. I had lots of people actually stop by recently and say how much they love an argument we had on not too long ago about who should own the role of the SDRs. And ironically, my sales head was with me. And of course, he actually won that argument despite me disagreeing with him. So he was, you know, throwing it in my face. That's the beauty of the whole tribe we have here. So what's nice when you go to these shows, like I said, you get a chance to talk to you and, but I get a chance to talk to all these fantastic killer subject matter experts. The beauty of that is I get to get insights that I don't always get exposed to because like you, I'm doing my job every day. I'm heads down, you know, and and sometimes it's hard to come up for air. And what you start to learn when you go to these sessions and you hear perspectives from different individuals, from different organizations with different sized teams and different solutions they're offering and different uh, maturities. Some are startups, some are established, different budgets, different markets is that you start to realize some of the problems that you're having are not exclusive and specific to you. Now, we all kind of know that, right? We all kind of say, yeah, I get that maybe I missed my numbers this month, and I'm not alone. Maybe others have missed their numbers too, but that doesn't really help you. But when you're there, immersed, at a show, talking to others, elbow to elbow in the actual stands, in the actual auditorium, the room, and they're all nodding their head and going, they're smiling and they're giggling because it really resonates and hits home what the speaker is saying. You go, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this awesome community. Now, often the biggest challenge we're learning is that the issue is all about alignment. Now, that's a big word, big word in context. What do you mean by alignment? Well, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. What I view it meaning is, am I aligned with the company goals and objectives? Am I aligned with my colleagues in other complementary supporting roles? I'm in marketing, so am I aligned with my head of sales? Are we all shooting for the same goals? We should all be shooting for the same goals because those goals are set at the corporate you know, executive table and they rolled down. Am I aligned with my tech stack such that it will help achieve those goals and objectives. Am I aligned with my staff? 
Are we saying the same things? Am I, am I measuring them and compensating them such that they're incented, such that they're motivated to deliver exactly what I need? I mean, alignment is massive. It's huge. And I think candidates where we all struggle, we sit back and look at the big picture. That's where we struggle. We struggle with our bosses. We struggle with our execution. We struggle with our results. And often it's all about alignment. So imagine my pleasure, my delight when I'm off to the 10 bound sales development conference. Have you been there? This is a one-day thing, guys. I want to say this might be year three. Don't quote me. If I get it wrong, I will learn shortly. And at the 10-bound conference, it is just this massive community coming together where it's all sales development professionals, and we're talking about everything sales. So, for example, I had a session on there called When You Suddenly Realize the Sales Process is Broken. I mean, we've all been there, right? How did it get broke? Well, probably some misalignment. Simple, simple statement. And the whole show is put on by David Delaney. Now, if that name rings a bell, it should. David was an early guest on the Inside, Inside Sales podcast. So guess what I did when the show wrapped up? I reached out to him like a day later on email saying, Delaney, brilliant idea. I like it. You should come on my show right now and tell my audience, what are the five top things that you learned? when it relates to alignment. So how did Delaney know that it was all alignment specific? Because he's the guy who set the theme. The whole show was around alignment. David did it with his crew, and then I am just thrilled to have him here. David, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, Daryl, thank you. It's an honor to be back on, and I'm just doing backflips over here. I'm knocking stuff over and just causing chaos because I'm so excited to talk to you again. You are a chaos machine, my friend. I mean, I, I saw the show. I saw the energy. And you know what was crazy about watching you? And then this is a compliment to you. I'm not trying to suck up. A lot of people can be really flustered and exasperated and anxious at those shows because there is so much going on. It is logistical nightmare. And you were like Mr. Calm and Cool Collected. Even when you kicked off the show, you had your stick down pat. You were talking nonstop. And then you got off the stage and you were done. And they let your minions, your many, many minions, just take care of what needed to be done while well, you sat there as the king of the hill. Hats off to you, my friend. Got to practice what we preach here, and we were <laughs> pretty well aligned. Hats off to the crew and to everybody that was involved at Tenbound and the hotel and everything. It was just an amazing show, and and I, I can't thank you enough for being involved and, and being there. Your presentation got some of the highest remarks. It was It was just a terrific, terrific experience for everybody. So thanks so much. You just gave me the platform and the rest was all the community. So that's what it's all about. All right. So let's get this show started. Everybody's been listening in their cars or on the commute home and they're saying, shut up already. Get to the point. It's about alignment. So let's start off. Lesson number one from the show. What is it when it comes to alignment? What is the first lesson, the first takeaway we can share with our audience today? First and foremost, we even added a track this year to recognize this. But one thing that we really kept hearing and something so critical for alignment is the concept of revenue operations. This might be new for a lot of folks because we're really familiar with sales operations and we're really familiar with marketing operations. But what happens when we want to tighten up that alignment and really make it valuable for the sales development team, sales team, marketing team? and all the people that are involved is mapping out the operational processes from a high level, from a strategic level, so that we know that 
marketing is going to be supporting the sales development team to set more meetings. The sales development team is going to be supporting the sales team with the type of meetings that they want. And from a high-level perspective, the leadership is going to be able to track what's working and what's not. So how do we set that up? We've got to be able to look at the operational side of of the, the house from a high level and really map that out from a revenue operations perspective. So we even had a track on that this year. We got some great remarks on the uh, content there. Not only did you have a track, I mean, for those who don't know it, there's the Sales Development Podcast that's hosted by David, those wonderful pipes you hear right now. And I strongly encourage you to go and check it out on your favorite, whether it's Apple or Google or you know, Spotify or what have you. And he had... Very recently, I was complimenting him on a program live. He had an episode about revenue ops. And why I like this topic was because you nailed it. It used to be, you know, there's marketing ops, which we've all had, which is, the, I, for simplicity, think of that as top of funnel, right? Tracking the leads and honing yards and getting them in and making an MQL. And then there's sales ops, which is, okay, you just got it, this lead. Now you're actually making sure that the reps are doing it. They're making the calls. They're doing the conversion rates. They're doing the activity. And marketers don't care about that stuff. And just like sales guys don't care about what marketing's doing. And, you know, you do your thing and I'll do my thing. But revenue ops... I've heard people in previous iterations talk to it as like sales and marketing ops because it's like, well, what else would you call it? But revenue ops, if you've not heard the term, has, has really emerged to be that operations team that worries about the marketing side, marketing automation, account-based marketing, all that kind of stuff, the sales side, sales engagement, your activity, your all that wonderful stuff. And then as well, often the sales enablement side as well, making sure that they're being coached and they have the content they need and making sure all the tools work together and all the tracks and all the metrics are achieving what you want. And the beauty of revenue ops, to your point, is it truly does align. We don't have marketing ops over here and sales ops over there and their silos. It brings them together so we understand the reason we're doing this, boys and girls, is around revenue, which is probably one of the top line objectives that the management team came up with. I love that. And that was a new track for you guys. You had three tracks, if I recall. You had revenue ops, you had leadership. What was your third track? Uh Rep training. The first year, it was for, you know, sales development managers and the, the leadership track. We had the one track. The second year, we added the rep track so that you could bring your top performing SDRs. And, and then this year, we had the revenue operations. So hopefully, if someone brought their whole team, they can go back and they're sitting in a room today going, okay, how can we map this out end to end and make sure that we're really leveraging the investment that everyone's making here and we're not letting things fall through the cracks? So then... Knowing my audience, my audience are sales pros, right? My audience, uh, I we always tell them that this is just, you will be marginally better after this episode than you were when you started. We're not talking vision or strategy or management speak. We're talking bread and butter selling. What lesson learned can you share with my audience about how they need to utilize or they need to advocate for, or perhaps there's a different way, on revenue operations? You say they're critical, Maybe you can give us some examples of why they're critical. A perfect example, point number two, actually, it's a perfect lead-in of the point number two that we kept seeing come up over and over again at the conference, which was the old-school spray-and-pray, send out a zillion emails and hope for one response is really going away. You know, With all the different factors, we're getting a, a smaller return on this type of behavior that's happened. And... You know, we saw a trend in the last few years where marketing automation platforms were at first 
purview of the marketing department. And it was very hard to get anything through where if you wanted to send out a thousand emails, that had to go through a, a check and balance process. Whereas now in the last five years, we've given every SDR out there in the world a high powered marketing automation platform with no training and no accountability. So they're sending out a thousand emails every day. And so the long story short is what we've seen and what we saw at the conference was this is like not working as well as it used to. We're getting diminishing returns and personalization of messaging is a huge trend. And it's something that all the salespeople, all the SDRs that are listening to this really have to get behind. You got to personalize your message. You got to make it relevant. You got to use some kind of trigger event. To your initial question, Daryl, setting up a revenue operation system really helps you to be able to personalize something and personalize it at larger scale. Because instead of just these separate silos working out of balance, the marketing team writing emails, the sales team writing their own emails, if we can bring those together, then the really high-level communicators on the marketing side can help sales development reps and help the sales reps to personalize, offer that information, pieces of that information that they can then take and personalize versus just sending out a a thousand emails every day and hoping for the best. So point number one is revenue operations are critical for alignment, but exactly as you're saying now, point number two in our top five takeaways is personalization has gone from a nice to have to a must have. But this is a thing. I see it over and over again where I keep on almost getting the exact same form template in my in-mail or my email, even on my voicemail sometimes when I, on a rare occasion, check it. That sounds copy and paste and I just roll my eyes. But some would argue that that's okay. You need to do that so you can scale. You can reach more with with your time, and therefore it's all the same, and away you go. But we're seeing more and more that that argument is bogus. The recipients, me, are seeing through it because we're getting so many of them, we can astutely figure out they're all the same. And the ones that we react to are the ones that are personalized. I am actually getting amazed recently in the last couple couple months how personalized some of these messages I'm getting are. They know me. They know some of my staff members. They comment on some of my social media activity or some videos or webinars. They call it out, and then they physically draw in references and connect it back to, obviously, their value prop and why I might care. I'll be honest with you. That amount of personalization, if nothing else, impresses the crap out of me and makes me just want to say, okay, I'm going to respond because you clearly worked hard at doing this. So you're telling me that's the way we have to go now. Am I getting that right? That's correct. And then beyond that, if we think of things strategically as a revenue operations engine, the marketing department is supporting that behavior. Because if you think about the old school definition, marketing is one to many and sales is one to one, that human connection. And so if we can think about how do we set up the operation strategically so that you're giving people the tools, you're giving the SDRs and the sales reps the tools to be able to quickly personalize so they can create those wow one-to-one message, but they're not getting caught up in analysis paralysis and just spending all day researching. So setting it up strategically really empowers people to be able to do that. And some of the, the really cutting edge forward-thinking programs that we heard about at the conference, we're able to do that. It's exciting. It's hard. It's it's not an easy thing. What's easy is just handing somebody a, a, a sales engagement platform 
and saying, here, just go do whatever you want. Next thing you know, it's exactly that eye rolling behavior that you're getting from the prospects. So we, we gotta, we gotta up our game here. So big takeaway from there, guys and gals. If you thought you could keep on dodging it, you can't. Cause now your colleagues, your peers, those people you're competing against, they're doing this. If you want to succeed, you got to make this a priority. You got to invest. And if you don't have permission to do that, you need to get alignment. Of course, going back to the whole theme with the folks that be in your organization. With that said, we're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. CRM was designed for managing relationships. Sales engagement is designed for starting them. Current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time, make less than two attempts to contact them, and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing-qualified leads into sales-qualified leads. According to user reviews, VanillaSoft will increase your pipeline and productivity by three times or more. Blow your quota out of the water. How? By ensuring each new sales lead is engaged within seconds, persistently, and with the cadence that is optimal for your prospects. Don't let your sales leads fall into a black hole. Take your lead engagement and sales qualification out of your CRM. Try VanillaSoft for free at VanillaSoft.com. One of the things you mentioned, David, you talked about data. You made a passing reference to data being prolific anymore. And you talked about that at the conference. Maybe you can elaborate. For point number three, talk to me about data. That's another theme that we saw. If you think about the concept of data exhaust, you know, there's uh, so much data being kicked out by the sales development program and the sales program and the marketing program. I mean, all the way across the spectrum. What we saw with a number of the presentations is that we're really just scratching the surface on the available amount of data that's being created by all these systems. We're not looking at it holistically and using it as a way to increase the performance of our sales development programs. Some of the presentations, I think of Jeremy Donovan, some of the presentations that we saw were amazing in the way that they were able to pull out pieces of information that are useful immediately for getting better results. Again, not to get too high level, but if you're not comfortable with looking into your data and running basic A-B testing and, and things like that, then you're losing a huge opportunity and you got to be able to step up and find someone who can help you with that, whether it's within the company or outside on a consulting basis, be able to find that because one piece of information one revealing data point could completely turn your whole sales development program around. And we saw that at some of the presentations. For the reps on the line, how can they leverage data to make themselves more successful? Some quick and dirty tips. Quick and dirty tips is like something as simple as laying out an A-B test uh, for yourself over the next two weeks. Thing number one is laying it out as far as a basic to-do list of what you're going to do over the next two weeks to send a 100 personalized email messages or a 100 personalized voicemail messages with a hypothesis that you're going to get this result, and then you're going to do the same amount on the other side for the B test. So you got an A test and a B test, and then you're going to track the results over the next two weeks. Piece of cake. Sounds super easy. The question is, you're all excited right now. Whenever you're listening to this, you got your cup of coffee, you're going to do it. 
the real test is holding yourself accountable over the next two weeks to execute on it and then look at the results and try to make some sense of them if you're seeing any trends. You know, one of the top gurus in the sales industry is John Barrows, and his main tip on testing to sales reps and to SDRs is you got to constantly be A-B testing to see what's working. And and so it's not something that's in our wheelhouse necessarily, but that's something really easy. And ironically, you can actually tie that back to the second point, which is personalization. So you can do an A-B test and collect the data on personalized approach A versus personalized approach B. And once you get a winner, by the way, you keep on doing it. If it was B, okay, and I'm going to do B versus C. And you're always looking to get that little bit better. But you actually intentionally test it. Same with your phone, same with your email. You're doing it all the time. I love that. So that was point number three. Point number four, something near and dear to everybody's heart who's going to be listening to this podcast, incentive plans. Talk to me, baby. What's it all about? How do we get alignment? What's the issue? What's the answer? Let's start with what not to do. And this is what we heard in a lot of the presentations, that usually when people are putting together a sales development team or they're unpacking the program to try to figure out what's going on, One of the things that they will do when they're starting is they grab a playbook from their last company on incentive plans and comp plans, or they just read, you know, the latest blogs about what some other company is doing and they implement that. And what we saw with some of the top organizations out there that incentive plans and compensation plans are critical. They're almost like the first place that you want to start if you're looking at your sales development program and trying to figure out how to up the the performance because, you know, people are are motivated by incentives and comp. When you think about alignment, what is the end goal that we're trying to accomplish with the investment in this program? Let's basically take that end goal and reverse engineer the incentives and comp back from that goal so that we're driving toward that. And then we can set up the operations to support that. For example, most companies out there still are comping people on activity level and they want some tangible evidence that you're actually doing the job. Activities are very easy to juice. I mean, you can, people figure out how to make it look like they're doing a lot of stuff. And especially with the new systems that we have in place, I mean, number of dials and number of emails that you send and things like that. I mean, they're just not as relevant as they were five or 10 years ago because it's just easy to juice those things. And so what the top performing programs that we saw at the conference are doing is they, they're, they're going further into things like close one revenue based on the activities of the sales development team and pipeline. That really aligns right there with what the business is trying to achieve. And so that was a really interesting, you know, newer thing that we saw. I love it. Everybody wants to talk about incentive. That was number four. One was revenue ops. Two was personalization. Three was data. Four was incentive plans. You seen a pattern here, guys? It's all about incentive. Some of this is in your control. You could do the data. You could do the testing, the personalization. Some of this is not in your control. So you need to coordinate with the players who do control those aspects so you can get alignment. Brings us back to the fifth point. The fifth point, I love this point. Quick and dirty, talk to me about the importance of training and coaching. 
top-performing organizations out there, they get that revenue operation engine really humming. People have that alignment. They have the support. Everyone's kind of rowing in the same direction. And then they realize that the way to move the needle is invest in the people that are actually interacting with prospects. Invest in the SDR training. Invest in the training of the managers that manage the teams. And make sure that they know what they're doing. because. There's two things. One is if you don't have that foundational support, the operations are a mess, things are falling through the cracks, your comp plan is is not incentivizing people correctly. If you just throw in some training on top of that, you're probably wasting money. But if you have a well-organized program, people are starting to row in the same directions, and you add training on top of that, now we're really cooking with gas, right? Because the leads are going to be arriving People are going to be able to personalize quickly. You've got your report set up and you're being able to analyze the data. Now we're adding on skill development so that when we put people into the right place at the right time, they know what to do. Man, you're going to have a great program. Some of the top performing programs that we see out there, the the big companies, the big SaaS companies that have been around for 10 or 15 years, you go in and you unpack how they do sales development. And they have checked every single one of these boxes here, um, Daryl, and they're really big in training. They have like a university program for these people that are coming right out of college. It's true. I've seen that. And I've seen a lot of companies not have that university program where they kind of give it a, a passing reference or like, yeah, I'll handle it ad hoc because I hear something wrong. Otherwise, they're fine. They'll figure it out. And the reality is that's just lost opportunity if you don't train proactively. One final piece of advice for all of my friends who are listening. If anything here resonated with you and you're maybe perhaps not confident to bring it forth because you fear that you shall be smited by the powers that be, just give them this episode to listen to and strongly suggest they pay specific attention to the items that caught your attention. That's my suggestion to you. David, tell me more about where the crew can check you out, learn from you, follow you, listen to you. What are all the details? Thank you, Daryl. T-E-N-B-O-U-N-D.com, tenbound.com. Tons of free research there on, on sales development best practices, all of our service sheets, and uh, more information about upcoming events that we have. We're going to be doing a lot of events in the 2020, and we're really excited about it. So thank you, Daryl. Thanks for the opportunity. Hey, man, anytime. So that's David Delaney. The conference is 10 bound. If you don't go, go. Make it a point next time around. Do not hesitate. In the meantime, follow David. He's got fantastic content. They've got Lots of great stuff happening. They got research coming out now. It's crazy. So they can help you in so many ways. They can help your firm get aligned. My name is Daryl Prale. I'm with Inside Inside Sales. At least that's what I I wish my full-time job was. But I also do this small thing at VanillaSoft, the industry's number one sales engagement platform. Follow me. Follow the show. We'd be grateful. Hopefully, you got value out of today. If so, I hope to see you again next time. In the meantime, you guys take care. You've been listening once again to another episode of Inside, Inside Sales. Hosted by Daryl Prail, the CMO of VanillaSoft. Tune in every week for actionable ideas to increase your sales productivity. Sponsored by VanillaSoft.